Three, two, one. All right, we're live. Welcome to the Hivecast. This is Brian Wright, and I have Mrs. Anderson. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in today. I wanted to bring on one of the, the wives so people can get a different perspective. I always have the guys on, and it's always, you know, kind of kill the motherfucker. Or, you know, <laughs> I want to hear what the wife has to say. You know, we, uh, it's always the guys on the front lines, but you're, you're always standing right next to them, and I'm, I'm always curious to the opinions. Um, I'm going to try and get my wife on here one day, too, because I want to... Yeah, I'd like to Yeah, my wife's cool. She to my wife's cool because she gets it. She gets the business, and she gives me the room to do it. And it's more than anything, she just respects, you know, my passion for it, which is great. I'm just very fortunate that way, so... Well, it's key. Yeah. Even if you don't do it, they have to get it. And I actually... My wife boxed a little bit, and that's how okay. I met my wife. So okay. she does understand it from actually doing it too. She's not a fan, which I see a lot of the wives are fans, but they don't really understand the struggle. She yeah. gets the struggle, so oh, that was cool. cool. She did, she did uh, a lot of fitness. She was doing fitness competitions and stuff too. So she understands the process and mm-hmm. understands dieting and nutrition and the grind and having to work and having to you know get up early and stay late and do all the things you have to do to be successful at something. So she gets that and she respects the guys for it. So when I tell her I have to help somebody do something, she, she feels their pain and <laughs> has no problem. Yeah. which is cool so you've trained quite a bit yourself yeah. which is yeah is that how you and Corey met yeah i was working at the gym that he got started at actually okay so we we probably got started around the same time he's just a freak and he can <laughs> compete in the ufc and <laughs> he's been very successful doing it but yeah we met at the gym at rufus sport in milwaukee where are you from Milwaukee. So you're, okay, so you're a Milwaukee person. Yeah. And he's Illinois. Illinois, yeah. We're probably an hour away from each other. Okay. Yeah, us people in Jersey, we don't understand that Midwest whole thing. Like, it's just a certain place out there. Uh, I've heard a lot of (laughs) comparisons to states. Like, you're by Montana, aren't you? No. Not even close. It's in the middle. Yeah. So you guys were at Rufus Sport. And, man, you went from Milwaukee, and now you've ended up here in Jersey. So give me more, because I'm curious how you got here. Well, Corey, he got started out there, but he didn't. He wasn't, like, a, a, a regular at the gym. He, he was back and forth, and he ended up going on the Ultimate Fighter. So we were just acquaintances. I actually was there for his pro debut. I happened to be there, and I was actually there when he won the Ultimate Fighter in Vegas, because I was there to see a teammate fight. Nice. And I was like, oh, there's Corey. <laughs> I know him. So we kept on kind of bumping into each other, and I actually interviewed him for my, what is now my podcast, um, a few years back, and that's kind of how we started connected again. And I ended up moving out here because he moved out here for his coaching and yeah. camp as well. So I it's, ended up in New Jersey. <laughs> it's a little bit different. A little bit different than Milwaukee. A little bit different, but I like it a lot. It's been great so far. Cool. So, Corey, you know, he's been a grinder from the start. I mean, Corey's career is not that long, but he has a lot of fights. He's amazing in that sense because, like I said, he started around the same time as me, and he, even more green in, in that case. Like he was he had just a straight wrestler. Yeah, like he, he was very experienced in wrestling and competed at a high level. So that definitely helped him a lot but as far as striking goes jujitsu goes he was very green when he won the ultimate fighter I, yeah. I think they threw him to the wolves and he came out 
successful, luckily, but it's kind of been the story of his career. I mean, he only had a few fights outside of the UFC, which is crazy. So. I talk about that a lot. I even talked about it with him when he was on here, that the crazy thing is you can see him learning on the job, which is just so hard to He's, do. I think outside of his hard work and perseverance, his biggest, the, the best trait he has as an athlete is his ability to just do what the coaches tell you to do. Like, he'll teach a, a whole new combination, like how to shift when he's never done it before, and he'll do it sparring right away, you know? Yeah, he has the right mentality for the, the sport because the one thing with MMA is it's just such a grind, and he mm -hmm. has the mentality for the grind, which mm -hmm. allows him to still be coachable because if you're struggling with the grind, you can't hear the things coming to you, and I think wrestling gives that to a lot of guys because wrestling is just such a demanding sport, mm -hmm. and you're used to the push. So the push is the given for him, and then that gives him room to absorb the instruction. Where a lot of the guys, it's a struggle I have. Guys come in, they think it's going to be easy. Mm. And then just the pure physical nature of the sport and how, how many rounds you have to do and how tough it can be, it shuts them off to the next level, which is the more extreme technical side of it that you have to get into. And mm -hmm. they get stuck in this area where they're playing with the basics and just trying to survive. And that's hard. I mean, but it takes a mental thing. Even with Carl, I tell the story a million times with Carl. Carl just physically was not pushing himself, and I had to break him to the point where he just accepted the pain of the grind and just does that part because you're not breaking. It just sucks. So you deal. You just accept the suck. You do that, and you focus on all the technical stuff, and you give yourself the opportunity to learn and grow, and don't judge yourself based on the physical side, which a lot of guys too. People, it's weird that they get they get scared of the grind or they judge themselves on how they feel and I'm like just keep going it'll get better just don't Not stop and dwell good. on it yeah <laughs> if it felt good everybody would do it there's a reason why it's such a small community of people that do it well yeah I mean Corey it's not and I could keep up with Corey in terms of like how many times a day you're training what mm -hmm. we're doing I, I am a hard worker but what Corey does is he pushes to the limit every session mm -hmm. I would find myself coasting or holding back a lot, not to get too tired, or, you know, saving myself. He never saves himself. He'll always push I think, it. I think competition does that. The more mm -hmm. you compete, that's where that's you're saying they – wrestling th grind too. But, but they also – you're saying they threw him to the wolves. The reason they yeah. could throw him to the wolves and he yeah. could survive is because of that wrestling yes, grind, because yes. of that mentality. You don't survive as long as he did in wrestling and do as well uh -huh. as he did without having that internal push. It's one of those ones where – when you're alone, that's who you really are. Mm -hmm. And if you leave Corey alone, he's going to work just as hard as if there were coaches in the room. He just has that in him. He has to do it, and he doesn't have to do it for his coach. He doesn't have to do it for you. He has to do it for him. Mm -hmm. And if you have that, you're going to go a lot farther than the guy that needs to kick in the ass. You should be kicking oh. yourself no, in the I ass mean, all the time. Especially in fighting, it's an individual sport. You have a team, but it's very self-motivated. It comes down to you in your heart. And if it's not there, it shows... Absolutely. You know, in your preparation and in your performance. So you never have to worry about him no. <laughs> pushing himself. Yeah, you, I feel he's one of those people that you can just drop him in the middle of nowhere and you show up. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be eating and comfortable no and have a fire going and it'll be good. He'll <laughs> be like, yeah, it was cool. He's not I'm your average. I mean, I've trained with a lot of high-level athletes, you know, UFC fighters even, and no one's compared to him as far as his work ethic. And yep. consistency, that is like the key, is consistency. Yes. Some guys will pick it up for their camp, but Corey is always in camp. Like People talk about loyalty to teams and loyalty, loyalty. 
Corey's loyal to the grind. Yeah. That's what he's loyal to. He loves it. Trust me, I live with him. It can be annoying sometimes. (laughs) But that is, I've said this before, he is at a constant run in life. Me, I'll sprint, I'll rest, I'll sprint, run, go. Corey's just a run all the time. Everything he does, he's always busy, always hustling. He he just likes being busy, whether it's putzing with things in the yard or whatever. He's He's a shark. If he sits still, he's going to (laughs) drown. I know. He won't rest. So you competed yourself. Yes. Did you set out with the idea for yourself personally you want to be a professional or was it you were in a position where like you just wanted the experience and then you had ideas on doing other things? Um, I kind of got into fighting, had a weird entry into fighting. I just happened to start at a gym that was a really high-level gym and I had everything I needed, like our own promotion. You know, I trained with the pros from the start. I, I had all the resources and I was like... Why not? It's, it's like my worst fear, but I have to try it. And I kind of got pushed by my coach. And I did it. I lost my first fight. I did kickboxing first. And I just, it became my life just because of my job was at the gym. It, I couldn't turn down that opportunity. So there was a point where I thought I wanted to be professional and I thought I could do it. But that was always a struggle of mine because I started kind of late. I didn't start till I was 27. So, I mean, for women, it's, I pro- if I was excelling right away, I probably could have done something with it, but I'm not a quick learner, so it would take me some time to develop, I think. So now I just like teaching and Well, that's training. cool. I mean, everybody, you've got to find your place in it, and you've got to find that satisfaction point with it, and everybody with the career aspirations, when it, everybody can train. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can teach. People that are dedicated to other people can teach. Mm-hmm. You have to acquire the knowledge and you have to care about the people you teach. Like if you have that, you can be an instructor. The competitive fight career is the one that it's got to be the right window. Everything's got to line up correctly and you got to accept it if it's not. And it's I hate tough. to say it, I'm too too smart, too knowledgeable about the business. Like I, you have to be somewhat delusional to be successful, I would say. <laughs> but there's a very small window, especially in MMA. There's a very small window, and you have to kind of be realistic. You've seen it a million times, fighters that don't know when to quit, or yes. local guys that are just basically getting paid to be cans for yep. other people to build up their record. Like, I know I'm technical. I'm, I do well. Um, I just have struggles with my performance mentally. But Th- That is that gear that is the determining mm-hmm. factor on how far you're going to go. It's really, mm-hmm. there's, it's just, you have to have that extra thing in you. You have to have that fight in you. You have to have that yeah. scrap. You have to be hungry. You have to enjoy hurting somebody in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it sounds twisted me saying that, but it's, this is a hurting business. You really have to, uh, you have to accept the agreement yeah. that they're going to try and really damage you and you have to really try and damage them. And you're both going to go out there and do your thing. And, you know, you shake hands after, but for those 15 minutes mm-hmm. you're out there, gotta go to war i mean if you saw what i started at to what i'm at now i've had to completely harden myself a lot i've always been an athlete but i wouldn't say i was i always struggled with aggression and that sort of demeanor i'm too much of a technical like thinker cerebral yes so I, i let that hold me back and i know i have the skill 
to be okay, but I don't have that, like, like my dad calls it the hate switch. Like, you have to be able to have that killer instinct, and I've been criticized many times before for being too nice. I call it the grr. You gotta have a look. <laughs> that Carl definitely has that. Carl has the grr. Carl <laughs> he is straight like the up definition the of that. That's why we get along so well. Yeah, I mean, that's something I struggle with, and I am obsessed with technique and watching fights and the art itself. Mm-hmm. Well, not unfortunately, but it's just uh, the reality of it. I'm not going to be, you know, excelling as an athlete right away. But you have, but you have so many opportunities to participate. Mm. That's the beauty of this. There's oh. so many things you can still do. You don't have to be a competitive athlete in this for a career mm-hmm. to consider yourself a professional martial artist. Yeah, you can be a coach. There's so many things, especially now with the amount of media that has to be created, the amount of teaching that is, and the amount of different ways to teach. And there's analysis of the fights. There's, I mean, there's the mental game, the physical game, the technical game. There's all these different things to get involved with. Mm -hmm. And so you have nothing but opportunity around it. Oh, I've been spoiled in the sense that, I, like I said, I happened to get started with a very high-level striking coach. And I got to be around a lot of high-level fighters. And then I come out here. And I'm a fan myself of the of the art, and I get to come out here, and I'm around because of Corey and the yeah. team out here. I get to see a lot of high level fighters. And Jersey's a weird. Lot of coaches. We have a lot of high level guys coming out of New Jersey. This is it's something in the water. In this I didn't state. realize it's crazy. it was like that out here, but I'm in heaven, obviously. So about eight years ago, I was getting my license in Trenton at the state office. You used to have to go to the state and get your licensing done and I went I got my license done and I just made a joke about how many athletes and the secretary goes do you understand how many fighters we actually have registered in the state and I was like how many she goes we have 10,000 registered fighters in the state of New Jersey 10,000 fighters that's crazy that's also back at a time where there were amateur shows literally every weekend and there were like five promotions and there was a pro show and an amateur show basically every week there was just something always going on like I said, we... Wrestling culture here is really strong, too, which yes, helps. Yes, which what I helps. didn't know. And Henzo lives in fucking Homedale, so, you yeah. know, he created his empire here in New Jersey. Red, yeah. Red Bank was his first school in the United States, so Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has a very big foothold oh, here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I like I said, I came from a, a pretty good school, but the, just the Midwest, there isn't as much. There's more people. You have bigger cities. You have Philly, New York. Everything's happening here. It's either out west or here, and the opportunities to compete are way everywhere. Different. Way different. And it's just a higher level. The one thing, too, I was explaining once about the economics of it all. People wonder why we don't have so many super gyms in New Jersey, and the economics of real estate here is so different. Like in Milwaukee, the, the cost of real estate is a lot cheaper than it is anywhere basically in New Jersey. So if you want to open up a, you know, even a 10,000, 15, 20,000 square foot gym that a lot of these places that you'll find in Vegas or you can even find in California, a lot in the Midwest, I mean, it's pennies on the dollar for a square foot. Where here it's 15, $16 a square foot. Then you've got all your overhead and everything thrown mm-hmm. on top of it. It gets really expensive. Mm-hmm. So it, it for us, we ended up, we have a, a big collection of moderate-sized places that we all kind of mm-hmm. bum around to. Nick and Tones is the, the rare exception yeah. to it, where Nick's got a Which really big spot now, and now he's moving into an even bigger spot. So it's different. The issue I find here, too, Jersey's really political. It's yeah. really the affiliation issues 
I it drives me nuts because I'm so not political. Mm-hmm. I have a couple people that I don't like to cross with because I feel like they're shady. Yeah. But there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of walls in between people crossing here, which is kind of annoying. But whatever. I feel like it's anywhere you go. I mean, there's always politics. Where I'm from, you couldn't train at any other gym. Yeah. So here, at least you can train at affiliates and whatnot, which is cool. Um, a lot of smaller places, there's usually one big gym and the other gyms can't compete. And yeah. the, there's just never going to be, there's only going to be one gym with high level fighters. There, yeah. the other gyms aren't going to be able to hang with the main gym, unfortunately. So it's really, it's like a monopoly, I guess. Yeah. Well, it, it, when you don't have huge population centers, mm-hmm. that's kind of what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the strongest yeah. group kind of just absorbs the and best. People have and that's a small town mentality that yeah. they. They had to fight to make it, so everyone else has to. So people aren't as open to helping each other build. I've noticed. I've. I mean, I've traveled all over, and, I, and over the years with this sport, it's crazy. Denver. Denver always had a great network of gyms. Mm-hmm. There was always really good schools out there, and I felt guys. You did get a little bit of the weirdness with the affiliation issues, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of working together out there because they looked at Denver as almost as like a combined community. Mm-hmm. Like all the strikers there worked with each other. Mm-hmm. The jujitsu guys got a little weird because the jujitsu guys always get a little weird, mm-hmm. but the strikers always kind of followed each other around and they had a good thing. Um, it was it was funny. It was like Denver. Most of the gyms in Denver worked together, and then they took on all the rural gyms. Mm-hmm. The guys from, like, two hours out of town would come in and take on the Denver guys. It was always interesting. California is hit or miss. There's, like, pockets like San Diego, actually, I find. Everybody's kind of cool there. Mm-hmm. L.A. is a, gets a little weird. Vegas is wide open. Nobody gives a shit in Vegas. Really? Like, Vegas, everybody trains everywhere. It just gets hard when that happens, though, because of people fighting each other. That's the only thing that separates. Like, yeah. I, like if you go to Syndicate... You know, they'll have guys in your division. They'll be like, ah, you're probably going to end up fighting each other. I don't know if yeah. I want to do it. Carl and I are weird. We don't care. Like, yeah. we'd fight somebody from our own gym if it was the right money and yeah. there was something on the line. It's business. And people get weird protective about it, but whatever. I don't know. That's where I think I have a little bit different of an attitude because I yeah. do look at it as a business, and I don't think it's offensive for you to have to fight somebody you know. It's the business in which you're in. Yeah. And if you're in the same league and your boss says you have to fight, you fucking fight. That's mm-hmm. your job. Mm-hmm. Do your job. Don't worry about <laughs> it. You know, you can shake hands after. It's all good. You don't have to hate each other. It's just fight sport. I know. So. Out here, it's like all. You just notice that more with girls because if, if you find girls that are your same skill level that fight same size, you're probably gonna fight each other. Because it's just so much smaller community. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised actually out here. I thought there would be. It would be easier to, for fights. I feel like people have a harder time getting fights out here than the midwest and it's the mentality around here it's really you can see it there's a little bit more of a machismo attitude around here guys well, don't no like seeing the fight girls fight that are good and they want to go pro right away the community's weird about the girls too though i i see it with the guys it's different here where midwest i definitely have noticed they don't care everybody just kind of does yeah, their thing I, here I it gets a, a weird not that i had problems getting fights here but it definitely there's not as many options no like definitely there, there were plenty of girls i could fight that were my same size and skill level and it was surprising compared to here Mo- like i said most of the girls go pro right away why i don't know but they do new jersey had a really robust amateur program for a long time and i've noticed it's kind of fell off i mean frankie with dead serious is one of the only guys consistently mm-hmm. putting on good amateur shows mm-hmm. before i mean 2005 2005 to maybe 2010 
you had three or four solid organizations putting out mm-hmm. events constantly. And most of the guys that you see coming out of New Jersey that are doing well now all came out of that amateur system. Yeah. It, it was, they have a good amateur system, that's for sure. There's so much talent here, and I don't know if it's in the water or what, but I've never seen so many amateurs that are just studs athletically it's not even like they have that skill level they're usually wrestlers but they're physically just amazing athletes yeah i i I think again it's the amount of people that we have in the state too sure we have a really dense dense population so that's always going to you know the more people you have to be the best in a larger pool always means you're going to be of a higher caliber when you're you know the biggest fish in a small pond mm-hmm. doesn't really mean much but when mm-hmm. you're the biggest fish in a really big fucking ocean it matters I yeah mean, we got a big ocean here oh yeah Courtney always joke be like you're good at jiu-jitsu but you're not jersey good at jiu-jitsu <laughs> <laughs> around here is good there's and it's so competitive i mean when grappler's quest was around it was grappler's quest in naga mm-hmm. like Every other weekend, there was grappling There's tournaments. There's always super fu- Like, I never heard of a super fight until I came here. But before, when we had the tournaments yeah. all the time, nobody's. I mean, I had white belts that I was teaching jiu-jitsu. They have 30, 40 matches in a couple of years because mm-hmm. they're just competing all the time, mm-hmm. and they're really comfortable with competing and having that. And then with kickboxing, we don't have as much as we used to. It's weird. Kickboxing, it like, ebbs and flows. There was... One moment where there was a lot of kickboxing going on. So you, you could do a lot of jiu-jitsu tournaments. You could do a lot of kickboxing tournaments. Yeah. Plus you had the MMA options. So everybody was kind of doing everything. So it created a really good, well-rounded yeah. athlete. There's where, a ton of Thai fights I see too. which. But Thai is different. I, I'm a weird one. In New one. York more so. But. but I'm weird about Thai too. I don't really – people can get mad at me. I really don't care. But I don't think Thai translates for MMA that well. I don't think Orthodox Thai translates that great. Yeah. It's just the it is it's its own thing. The clinching is different. The the boxing is way different. Even like the 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 clinching aspect of it neutralizes a lot of stuff and I think in the amateur ranks you get a lot of people get clinch hungry and they clinch so much that they don't really develop the other skills. Where in MMA you're clinching, but it's different. You can't tie clinch because you're just they're gonna suck your hips in and throw you on your head. Yeah. So it's different. You have to be able to box. You have to pure kick a little bit more, and that's why I like the Glory K1 Dutch style more yeah. to translate for MMA because your boxing is gonna be better. You're gonna kick harder. You still have a clinch game, but it's shorter. I like to clinch and hit. I don't like to clinch and you know wrestle fuck each other for ten minutes. I'm like an in betweener. I. I used to really love Thai and be total nerd about, you know, watching film. Yeah. I mean, I love watching Dutch kickboxing as well. But now, actually, I've gotten away from that. I don't really enjoy that old school. A lot of people are kind of, there's this resurgence in love for Muay Thai, which is amazing. I love the art of it, but I personally, I don't want to just stand in front of someone and, you know, kick each other back and forth. I, I like more of an MMA style of of striking now, you know, moving more and having a little bit um, lower stance and a different type of striking. Yeah, I I think what I do is versatile because you can go either way with it. Mm-hmm. You can lower your stance and it'll work in MMA. Mm-hmm. You can stand a little bit taller and you'll be fine in a kickboxing bout. You know, work on your clinching a bit, work on your angles a little bit differently, you'll be fine in a Muay Thai bout. Yeah. We'll fight anybody, any rules. We really don't give a shit, yeah. so it's fine. Like, I... I 
kind of put myself in the middle where I'm like, okay, this is the lane in which we operate. And if you're going in MMA, we're going to push you over here. If you're going into kickboxing, we're going to push you over there. But the center is the same. Well, you you always adjust to the rule set, obviously. And the opponent. There's skills that you develop out of necessity for the rule set. So obviously... You know, you got to be very, like, combination-heavy if you're doing a Dutch style. Like, it just depends yeah. on how they score. Like, yeah. Muay Thai, they score differently by what types of kicks you're landing, and they score heavy in the clinch. I like, I love the clinch. I don't like clinching the whole fight. But, That's where, which, is, which in amateur, when they, they don't really understand, it turns into me like a big ball of laundry out there a lot of times. And nothing effective is really being done. Cl- the clinch is like jazz. Like, you have to be knowledgeable to really understand it and to do it well otherwise it's garbage see for me combat sports is about damage and when your style is just a ball of laundry and nobody's hurting anybody and you're just kind of like playing points Mm -hmm. i get pissed i'm like you're supposed to be trying to put the guy down so let's try and put each other down so if you're using an effective clinch and you're smashing Mm -hmm. i'm i'm good if you're creating distance and getting that knee in there if you're using elbows and you're actually using elbows instead of just tapping so it looks like you're working and playing it safe the the clinch to score and to score off the break you know i think the break is like one of the most dangerous parts in fighting. That's Carl's secret weapon. <laughs> right there. Nobody It's every- key. I mean, look at Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey. That's how yeah. she knocked her out. The, catching her off the break. Yeah. So, and that's the most exhausting part of fighting, too. <laughs> and, and, you know, that comes down to your training. And that's the one thing where the disjointed, smaller satellites moving around can get weird when you're doing your wrestling in this room you're doing your jiu-jitsu in this room you're boxing here you're kickboxing mm-hmm. here you maybe come for sparring together and you do it all but when you get disjointed in your skills you can run into the bad habit of your wrestling or boxing or kickboxing yeah. or doing jiu-jitsu instead of linking it together because when you link it together that's when off the break occurs when you're transitioning from one thing to the other and you're making creating those openings yeah. you've got to be able to hit on those transitions i mean that that's the hardest part of mma and i don't know if many people have really um mastered that outside of uh demetrius johnson yet but <sighs> He's I think it's good to get that the best of everything at different gyms as long as you have like a head coach that you know knows exactly. where you're going, what styles you're working with, and how to string it together. I mean, that's and that's where it gets difficult too because I mean, as a coach, I know all of us. You know, we all believe in what it is we do, mm-hmm. and but you have to you have to give it to the athlete, and you've got to allow the athlete to pick who their leader is going to be. They can have a team of people, but they have to have the one guy who sets the tone. And if they don't, you mm-hmm. see the weakness in those athletes. You see the guys that utilize different coaches, but don't. They try and pull it all together for themselves. They're all there's always a big hole in their game. But when you have the one guy who can see how to put it together, and there's not many guys that can do it. I I feel like I'm one of the guys that has the ability to do that. And I think I've proven myself to have that ability. And I know a handful of other guys that can. And then I know. A thousand coaches that are very good at certain things that don't know how to see it, but their ego is such that they don't allow themselves to take a step back. And at well, the end par- of the day, you got to put the athlete first, and you got to do what's right for them. Coaching is like parenting. Like you have to, obviously, you want what's best for your athlete, and you give them a style that you think is best. 
ultimately they're going to kind of, they need to establish their own style of drawing from whoever they want to draw from, but they're still like under your umbrella, you yes. know, like they're still not following the basic fundamentals that you think they need to follow, the structure they need to follow as an athlete. Like I said, it's like being a parent and it's important for fighting, especially for athletes to feel comfortable in their style. Like it's them, you know, yes. cause not everyone is a, like a cookie cutter. No, you can't have style. everyone do the same thing. No, their bodies are different. The way yes. they move. Some people are more explosive. Like I have to find ways to move. That work for me because I'm not super explosive, you know. So. Like a 155 or giving a super heavyweight shit for not having the same cardio is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, you have to understand there's differences. When there's a 270 pound guy is trying to move, it's a lot harder. We all have the same mm-hmm. size heart. We can only generate so much oxygen yeah. for so long. And the output's different. Like it's a, and yeah, like you said, weight class comes into account as well. It's, it's just. A coach's job is to kind of help people find that right style. I like the parenting, uh, you know, idea because for me too, one thing I run into is a lot of coaches come from, say, wrestling. And you got to remember, wrestling is a scholastic sport. Mm-hmm. It's young, impressionable people wrestling. Mm-hmm. By the time we get them in MMA, they're men. It's different level of maturity and it's a different need. When you're in high school and college, you're still defining yourself and you need that almost parental coach who's going to help you walk through your development, not just as an athlete, but as a person. And then once you get beyond that, now you're a man and you want to find your own way in the world. And if a coach is too fatherly, Mm -hmm. too demanding, I find a lot of times these athletes kind of crack because they're like, well, I want to be me now. I don't want to stay part of a system and have to fully answer to you and be you. It's like, I want to be me. So you've got to find that balance with adults where you have to allow them to be themselves. You give them the, you work with them to develop their best self, not so much do what it is you do. You have to help them be who they are and then give them the room to explore that. And if they have the ability to grow, if they can develop their own following, the best thing you could ever do is be supportive of that and help them with that. And that's that's the toughest part with a lot of coaches where they don't leave that fatherly protective role and allow people to kind of do their thing and expand their brand in a lot of ways too. And people have to do things because they want to do them. Yeah. If they're feeling, like I believe in, you know, pushing people and being very disciplined as a coach and whatnot but ultimately it's up to them and they're if if you can't trust them to be disciplined on their own then they're not going to be successful either way like no. if you have to hold their hand through it like you said we're grown adults now this is an individual sport we work with the team but if you can't do that stuff on your own like you said Corey is always i don't no one has to worry about Corey no. working if you have the babysit you're going to have issues in the long run. I always had aspirations to have my own school. I opened up my first gym. I was 24 years old. Mm-hmm. I left my instructor because I had my own ideas, and they were stifling me, and they were not allowing me to express my own ideas. Mm-hmm. So I had to branch out and do my own thing. I did it. I was really young. I had a lot of experience at that point. Not as much as I thought I did, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I did have enough to, man. <laughs> to do something. But, you know, I... I look back at that time and I said, if I was in my instructor's shoes, if they allowed me the room to express my ideas, I might actually still be with them today or be running a satellite of them. But it was in a position where they 
didn't want me to be me. They wanted me just to promote them. And that's where it got weird. And I find I see it over and over and over again. And that's why, I mean, one of my driving factors is I when I look at these guys on the mat, people, I try to be for them. When I was at their at that stage they're at, I try to be for them what I was looking for. Oh, that's exactly the reason why I coach. I might not be the most accomplished as an athlete, but I love being that person of other people. I never felt like I've had good some good coaches, but I never had the right coach as far as um, what I needed as an athlete. Like yep. I. It's I a selfish business. A different type of coaching, and not everyone is that empathetic or that intuitive to know different styles. You know, I've had some very good coaches, but accomplished coaches. You know, as far as awards and championships, but they weren't good for me mentally. Like I need a coach that is build my confidence. Some a lot of guys, young guys, need to be torn down. And yes. they need to be humbled. That is not what I needed. You know, I, I don't think that way. You I, n- I never thought out. I was too good for anything, you know. So for me, I needed someone that really believed in my abilities and encouraged it and wasn't too, um, like, don't do this, don't do that. Don't. I need someone that builds my confidence because I'm already a perfectionist in my head. So. Yeah, you already are tearing yourself down. You need someone to stop you from doing that and build you up. It's a bad habit, but that's just, I'm very technical with the way I think and everything I do. And anything you tell me I will take is like gold. Like that's what I'm going to do. I take it literally. I don't think I'm better if I'm doing it wrong. It's because I just don't know how to do it. (laughs) You know? So, and not everyone understands that. And I love being that coach that can like help people feel comfortable trying things and just cater to their different personalities. It's, it's the same. I have the same, like, standards and fundamentals for everyone. It's just my approach is different with different people. You know, it's funny. You said, uh, like, breaking people down. You needed to be broken down, but differently. You didn't need to be physically broken down. You needed to be mentally broken down in the best way possible. <laughs> you need someone to shift it so you don't you stop beating yourself up and you start believing yeah. in what you're doing so you can grow. Well, when you're a girl that's smaller in a gym full of professional athletes and you've never done it before, <laughs> you're getting broken down plenty. Oh, <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. Physically, mentally, in every way. And I'm perfectly comfortable with, you know, my dad was a football wrestling coach. I'm comfortable being yelled at and yeah. having high standards. I expect that. But you didn't need it. But I don't need, like, verbal abuse no. and emotional, you know, like, they, I don't like emotional coaches. I like coaches that are calm. Um, like Nick Catone's amazing. He's so calm and give you one or two things in the corner. It's not like, don't do this, don't do that. This yeah. is You are bad at clinching because of this. Or you, you don't ever take any chances because that's who you are as a person. Like, I don't want to hear <laughs> theories on my, my character in between rounds. Like, I just... Need yeah, let's to... focus on winning. Let's not let's not, you know, have a rundown of why you hate me right now. <laughs> you know, like I think too much anyways, I just need simple directions. So, you know, like I said, I out here is a completely different culture and in a good way. The coaching is on a different level. I don't care where you're from, you have to be close with your coach cuz your coach has to understand you. Your coach has to know you. I mean, I've known Stephen Regman for a very short amount of time. I came out to him in his fight on Saturday night. 
and I'm watching him fight, and I just had to get in there in between rounds, and just I calmly had to ask him. I said, look, i, I got to ask you a question. Are you not pulling the trigger because you're tired or because you can't figure his range out? He was like, I'm really frustrated by his range. I was like, okay. okay, let's solve that right now. What I need you to do is let that go and just pull the trigger, and then he knocked the guy out. But yeah. you have to – you kind of have to – you have quickly, you have – I had five minutes to figure out where he's at, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to freak him out. I just wanted to like clarify where we are, and then take that information and give him what he needed to go beyond it. Because if he said he was tired, I was going to be like, "Suck it the fuck up. We got to go." Yeah, you got to know their heart and. Yeah, it was like you know we can't quit. You really want to win, so I need you to go. That wasn't the issue. The issue was he was having trouble with the range. So I said, "Okay, look, when you feel like you're too far away, don't worry about it. It's there. We see it." If you don't believe in you, believe in what we're telling you right now, and we're going to be okay. Yeah. And he did, and he won, and it worked. But, you know, that just, again, the, the biggest thing for me as a coach is I have to be able to identify in a short amount of time what the fuck's going on, and i got to give them the solution in a way that's going to register. It's finding ways for them to understand what you're saying. Sometimes yeah. it helps me understand things when I'm explaining it. To, sometimes I have light bulb moments when I'm teaching because I'm like, how can I say this so they get it, you know? And But if you have that in you, you have the ability to be a coach. Yeah. If you don't have that in you, you're never going to be a good coach. I see it so many times. Like, you can't be the coach that gives people what you want to give them. you got to give them what they need, mm-hmm. and you've got to give it to them in a way that it's going to stick for yeah. them. Yeah. It's, it's not about you and what you want. It's about them and what they need. I, I love that challenge to find what makes it click for people and – I have a pretty good level of knowledge as far as striking goes. I, I can't do everything I know, but I understand it, and I love finding ways to help other people understand it. You know, it's all about communicating, and if you're not a good communicator, you don't have a high emotional IQ, you'll be missing a, a big chunk of your ability to coach. You it, know? We always hit this point in every episode of the podcast, mm-hmm. every Every single episode, no matter who I talk to, it always comes down to that. Everyone, from my barber to my tattoo mm-hmm. guy to my physical therapist <laughs> to Trent, who's a professional race car driver, we all, it, no matter what we do, it all comes down to communication. Mm-hmm. It's, it's relationships. It's communication. It's empathy. It's, it's when you have these things, you can do anything. That exactly. It's not just applicable to fighting and coaching. It's 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 people in general. People will like you if you're an empathetic person and you you can understand why they're doing what they're doing. You know, like some people, you see, like you with your fight with your um, student. Some people don't have a lot of heart. You got to know that about them. Like you got to know when yeah. to push them. Some people do have a lot of heart and they're struggling. And then you got to like go to the next issue. Like yes. there's different things like I've worked with people that needed to cut weight before they're like go help this girl cut weight I'm like I don't know her I don't know like how much she can push and that's a rough one yeah and I'm not gonna be the one to push her being you know but I figured it out she doesn't like to push and <laughs> <laughs> then you gotta almost trick them into it she didn't want to push and I was like I can't do anything with you but you know it's some people don't have a lot of heart some people have a lot of quit in them some people are not confident enough like you have to figure out what their hang-ups are to get them to overcome them and i find that not i i'm not the coach for everyone and i completely get that i do what i do the way i do it i will i my goal is to give people the most educated 
position to be in for them to say, you know what, this is for me or it's not for me. Yeah. I don't, you, you can't just take an outside view and decide if this is for you or not. You have to participate. And then when things come up, you gotta, you gotta go deep on them too. You guys gotta realize, is this just a hurdle I have to overcome? Is this is a hurdle I don't want to overcome? Is this just something I just don't like? There's a lot of reasons why Carl and I didn't get along at all. And then we had one he had a fight he didn't push i locked him in the gym i crushed him then he understood why i was pushing him as hard as i was and then we were fine literally fine mm -hmm. now we're in the ufc like yeah. it literally but we needed a moment but i could have said fuck you get out of my gym you're a quitter but i i said look you're a quitter we're going to address it mm -hmm. if you agree with me you'll work with me if you don't agree with me well I'm not going to agree with you. You're not going to agree with me. We shouldn't be together. But let's get to a point where we can honestly say we're on the same page or not. And we got on the same page and it worked. That's why I'm, you have to push people. You have to give people that educated choice, which means you're going to have to give them a challenge that you both mm -hmm. can come to the same page on. In, and you're either going to agree or disagree. And dealing with athletes is a different situation too. Like, you know, depending on what their goals are. Like the girls I teach – we don't need to go that level, you know. It's I'm trying to like expose them to something new, try, you know, build their confidence, this and that. Athletes, there is a point where you have to kind of draw the line, and either you have this in you or you don't. Like I'm gonna try to bring it out of you in the best way I can, but there's some athletes that don't want to hear no, that don't want to hear, you know, they want yes men all around them and they're not going to go far. They're going to find those people that say yes to them. Yeah. And then they will ultimately fail usually. In front of a large group of people. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of, in fighting especially, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people that do well in the beginning don't do well in the end. It, it's like, well, if they get a big head to be in good the as an amateur, you know, I, People can be super aggressive and wild and win amateur fights, you know? Yeah, amateur is different, especially when you can't punch to the face in New Jersey. <laughs> or kick to the head. Or kick to the head, yeah. Exactly. So it's a different rule set, just like boxing. You know, there's a lot of amateur boxers that don't do well as pros. To me, the, the goal is the long run. I want to be the best yes. fighter in the long run. I want to have a good career. You don't want to be a professional amateur. Exactly. I have so many guys I see that are good at amateur because they mastered how to win. They didn't master MMA. They mastered how to win amateur MMA fights. You you have to have an honest look at your abilities and where you're lacking. And unfortunately, some people don't get that wake-up call till they're pro. And, and that's because you got a lot of coaches that are just, they want wins. They don't care yes. about the long-term success of the athlete. They yeah. just want wins. They want to say they were somewhere and they won and they want to have more students and they want to make more money and they don't give a fuck and whatever. Like, they don't understand the long-term that mm -hmm. if you do have a talented guy and you develop him over the long-term, you may not make money this weekend, but in five years from now when they're fighting in a big show and now you have a consistent thing, now your business goes to a whole nother level because you're participating in, like, yeah. the NFL of what we do. The stakes are higher then. I... Yeah. I I've lost a lot as an amateur, and I would much rather have, like I've always said, I'd rather be a, sh you know, a really good blue belt than a shitty purple belt. Like yeah. I, I want to be good at my craft. I want to be good at what I do. And if I have gaps that need to be filled, I want to know now. I don't want cans. I've never wanted to fight someone that was bad that I could beat. I've said yes to every fight except for one because of timing. You know, I. I probably had one fight that was easy because it was my first fight, you know? Yeah. 
and outside of that, I've always been, you know, matched equally or overmatched. So I had a famous Japanese fighter from Kyokushin that was a hero of mine on the way up. His name was Hiroki Kurosawa. Died of a heart attack last year, which kind of was like, holy shit, he was 50 years old. Yeah. But uh, Hiroki Kurosawa was 192 pounds. He was like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, and he fought super heavyweight all the time. And people are like, why are you doing this? You're, why don't you fight guys your size? Mm-hmm. And he said, to fight the fight you know you could win, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. The only fight that matters is the one that everyone thinks that you should lose. And that challenge is what defines us. And, I, and just for me, this guy just, he's like, I'm taking on the baddest guy every time. Mm-hmm. His record wasn't the best, but he had some spectacular wins that blew your mind that he's able to pull it off. And his losses were like, holy shit, did you see how hard he went? This guy literally was just fighting the world every time. It was crazy. Yeah. And just that drive meant something to me. And it literally, when I used to walk into the room, I would see who's the biggest, baddest guy in the room, and that's the guy I want to mm-hmm. do my rounds with. Mm-hmm. And, and it, that's good and bad. I hurt myself a lot. I, yeah. d- I damaged my body a bit by going taking on challenges I probably shouldn't have taken. I mean, yeah. I fought heavyweight because... In K1, it was heavyweight or lightweight. So yeah. I was, uh, I'm a guy, I mean, I should be walking around 185 pounds. Yeah. I was fighting it. I'm walking around 215, carrying extra weight, fighting super heavyweight dudes. I'm not that tall, but it was the challenge. And I always had that in my head. It's about the challenge. The winning and the losing is important, but that was my own trip. Fighting for me was my own thing. As a coach, it's different. I want to help people develop careers. Yeah. For me, it was this weird trip, but going through that kind of prepared me for what I do now, which, mm-hmm. how it all worked out. And that's why the long-term view is so important. You have to understand how your path, you have to be able to translate the value of your past experience to people today in a way that's valuable to them. And mm-hmm. as long as you can do that, you stay relevant. The biggest problem I see is guys that used to fight and they retire and they think people should just be their students because they are who they are because they did something a long time ago that nobody gives a fuck about. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on, yeah, man. I mean, being a good athlete, is a different skill than coaching. And no one, you don't, you're not, des, you don't deserve students because you open up something. You mm-hmm. deserve students because you're a value to the people that give you money. Mm-hmm. I, it's funny, I, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I, one of my students came up to me and he goes, I just had my kid, my son's like just over two weeks old. And, you know, my, that first week was a little rough. And one of my students came up to me and he goes, Hey man, I know you got a lot going on, but um, I got to ask you a question. I stopped him. I said, did I discount your rate this month? And he's like, no. I was like, then don't hesitate to ask me the question you would always ask me. Like, my life is my life. It doesn't, like, I can't diminish the value of my place for you because my life is complicated. Mm -hmm. Ask away. Let's go. I got to still provide. It is what it is. And and a lot of guys get lost where, you know, they feel that, you know, their personal shit you know, everyone else is supposed to cut them slack. I mean, mm-hmm. that's tough. I, with these coaches, it's, for me, when I'm saying that, it's more of the guy that used to fight, he's a couple years out, and he just wants to still feel like a superstar and doesn't really care about the value. He just wants to have people around him that are patting him on the back. And that, there's so much of that in this industry. It's just human nature is about ego, and I think there's no room for it in martial arts, and that's what it's supposed to teach, but... Fighting is such an ego-driven sport, though, and that's why fighting produces guys that can be a little out of control at times. And if you think about it, fighters that become coaches, as fighters, fighting is the most selfish thing you can do, and you have to be. Yeah. You have to. It's your business. 
You don't sacrifice your next fight for somebody else. This is your fucking career. Mm-hmm. You have to win. You got to do what you got to do. You don't say, you know what, I'm going to come in less shape because I'm going to be there for what? No, you have to do what you have to do. You say, you know what, I'll deal with it when it's over. When it's over, we'll go deal with your shit. But right now, I got to deal with my shit. And if you're an instructor, you can't be that way. Instructors are givers. Fighters are takers. They have to be. They have to take. Fighters do not make money for the gym. Fighters are no money suckers, if anything. <laughs> Honestly, I, 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 it depends. Carl and I, the relationship that I have with Carl and the way that our relationship translates into how we run this business has been extremely good for my business. It, Our journey has just been good for us. And it's one of the few times in my career that it's actually happened. The majority mm-hmm. of the time, I find I'm spending a tremendous amount of time working with guys that aren't really providing much more than, you know, they go and they do their thing, but it doesn't translate to anything. But there are certain times, there are certain athletes I've worked with that have been really good for the gym. And Carl and I, again, we just we have the same mentality about it, and we view the student population the same way. And you know, we we have a good team situation going on there, which is good. And I see Corey as an asset to any any gym he's at because he's so giving as an athlete. He does well, his he work coaching, and- but but he compartmentalizes it. You can see it mm-hmm. when it's his time; it's his time. When it's mm-hmm. your time; it's your time. He has to be able to switch it off. He doesn't give you less because he needs to focus on his. He's fully giving on both sides. Yeah, he he can be very selfish, and I say that in the best way possible. He knows how to focus. Like, if I wasn't supportive of his goals, we wouldn't be here. To, like, oh, we wouldn't yeah. be together. And I don't want someone that's going to drop their goals for me either. And a lot of people, not just women, men and women, don't understand that about this business or anything that requires a lot of sacrifice and obsession you need that you have to sacrifice a lot as like their partner because it it needs their 100 their attention 100%. You can't make it about you, you got to let him make it about him and let it go. Yeah, like I have my own needs and my own goals and I expect that same support in return obviously, but um it's an obsession and I think I love people that are obsessed. I love people that, whatever it is they do, their art, music, their business. Yeah. I think that's the only way to live life is that's how you're great at something by being obsessed. So I'm totally okay with him being selfish in that aspect. And I've spent a lot of time with him. And, you know, when we were sitting in an airport in Brazil, it's real clear that the short term for him is he has to do what he has to do. Mm -hmm. But the long term intent for it is Mm -hmm. so that both of you have the best oh. life possible and yeah. that's why you two can trust each other so well and that's like me with my wife the, yeah. the, my wife right now i've left my wife two weekends in a row back to back on yeah. fights and my son's two weeks old and my wife said c-section that was really difficult mm-hmm. to get through and she's not feeling so great yeah and she still let me go because she knows i have to do what i have to do because it's my job it's my commitment and she mm-hmm. understands that i'm doing it for our family's benefit as mm-hmm. much as i am for the athletes and I'm really fortunate for her where she's just like, yeah, it's not going to be easy, but I want you to go do it because your success and your happiness is our success and happiness mm-hmm. and you're good. And that's why my wife and I get along so well. I, I'll tell you a funny one. I, I did a retirement fight when I was 40 and uh, my son just turned one and uh, I'm 40 years old. And I said to my wife, we were at a wedding mm-hmm. 
and I just didn't feel comfortable with the table of people. It's all of her friends from school and shit, and I didn't really know anybody, and I just was like, I don't feel like a civilian yet. I think I have to do this again. <laughs> and so I text the promoter at the table, and she goes, what are you doing? I said, I just text Justin, and I said, I want to fight. And she's like, finally, you're going to get this shit out of your system. No, just go do it. It's like, this is why we get along. You understand that I need this. And she said to me, just do it. And she let me train and she yeah. let me go through it. And she was there for me the whole time. And we went through the whole experience together. And then when we were done, she's like, you good? And I was like, I'm actually phenomenal right now. And she's like, okay. And we just keep moving forward. But yeah. she gets it. She lets me go for it. And I let her go for it. So it's, I mean, mutually supportive. Yeah, that's what you need in any relationship. It's hard. It, this is not a glamorous lifestyle like people think it is. You no, know, the, the exciting thing is like one percent of it. The rest is a grind. And yeah, I think a lot of fighters struggle or athletes struggle with finding a right partner because people don't get the behind the scenes is not that exciting you know and Corey he does a good job he's not one of those guys that like feels like being a dick and then blaming it on cutting weight you know like, yeah 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 he rarely is in a bad mood so that helps a lot but um and I'm lucky with Carl like with, when Carl's in a bad space where he knows he's not good to be around people he isolates himself mm-hmm. and it's basically the agreement is like not gonna want to talk mm-hmm. don't want to be bothered I'm just going to go be by myself to get through this for the moment. And when it's over, we'll be cool, but just let me be. And so if you leave him alone, he's good. Just don't poke him. Cause yeah, I mean, you figure out their process and you adjust to it. And, you know, sometimes he pisses me off. And sometimes I just swallow my pride and deal with it after the fight. <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is. Or just brush it off. And it's not a big deal. But he, like I said, he, I've been around other people that are, are way more have a more difficult process they go through. Corey, oh, yeah. Corey doesn't, like, get really crabby or when he's going through. He's always training, so it's not like it's a big shock to the system when he's in camp. So I don't really have to deal and, with and that. And one of the advantages, too, is with as many high-level people as he has around him, mm-hmm. he can kind of see where the future potential for the career is. It's mm-hmm. a very grounding thing. When you're the big fish in the small pond in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. and you're your own like when you're watching it on tv and you're seeing it on youtube it's very different than when you're in the when you're in that practical reality of it i mean having frankie edgar and edson and marlin and all and then even eddie eddie alvarez now in the mix and i mean this is a guy who's been Eddie eddie and frankie the two of them between the two of them they've been there and done that eddie's fought every show in the world and frankie's hit the highest level of the sport multiple times Eddie, Frankie, and Nick and Nick really too. given Corey the the template for success. And Mark too, like as a, a family man, as a coach, you know, as a father, they all are genuinely good people. They all care about their family, and they're all very successful. And it yes. turned fighting into something more than just fighting. Like Mark Henry says, there's a lot more to life than fighting. And Absolutely. So he's lucky, and he's said it many times, and. The guys have been kind enough to sit down and talk with him and give him advice about those things, about money and, you know, the business in general. Like, Eddie, like you said, he's been Been everywhere. everywhere. And he's successful, and he has definitely taken time to explain that to Corey, too. So he's very lucky in that sense. I find it so interesting how most of the, the, the elite guys have that family. 
you know, they've got the wife, they've got the kids. It's the one, the biggest thing I, I say with guys is like, you, you can't think this is going to be a rock and roll lifestyle and it's going to be okay. You don't want to wake up at 35 years old and have nothing but your wins and losses. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you want to have something substantial. You want to know who you are. You want to have somebody that understands who you are and loves you for it. And you want to be along the way. I gave up my 20s easily to fighting and coaching. And I met my wife when I was 34. And it was, I don't think I really woke up to the reality of being an adult until 32 and I don't think I became an adult until I was 40 to be quite honest Mm -hmm. like I was just an idiot because I just didn't understand the last four years of my life has been a massive maturation process for me and it's because of my wife and my son and my sons now yeah my other son like the more responsibility I've taken on and the more reality I've allowed myself to accept the way better it's all been and it's no coincidence that the greatest accomplishments I've had as a coach and business owner as a trainer whatever it's all been as that stuff has gotten better oh you and you you see this story over and over again i've watched it close up um you know guys that come from nothing and they get a little shine and they can't handle it yep or they win a title and then they lose the title you know like there's a lot of ups and downs and if all you care about is that visible success or what people think or you know feeling superior in any way you're gonna get humbled quickly you know like this is a very fickle business the fans are very fickle and like my old coach used to say you're only as good as your last fight so it's it's not an easy thing to be a part of you really have to mature because if you want success in the long run you're gonna have to weather that storm and if all that all that shit that's out there that can turn on you, all that praise and love when you're winning, when something weird happens and it all turns on you, if you don't have somebody to push all that, you have to be able to push that aside and you have to have somebody that you can turn to that's satisfying enough that you can keep going forward. And that's why I think these relationships are so important for the elite guys. Because win or lose, your wife's there, your kid's there. You don't care. Oh. Like Twitter goes nuts because of something. Who gives a fuck? Like when your wife gives you a hug and a kiss yeah. and, you, and, and you know your kids say, I love you, Dad, you're good. You don't need any of that shit. None, none of that really matters. Like no. I love fighting. I've been around it for a while, so I'm not like starstruck by the whole process. Yeah. But... It's still exciting. I still enjoy it. And, you know, when Corey got knocked out at um, MSG to OSP, that fight was like, I could leave it all now. Like, I, I, when that happened, I didn't give a shit about the UFC. I don't give a shit about any of it. You know, like, all I care about is him being healthy and the people around him protecting him. And I trust his coaches will do that and he makes the right decisions always. But... You know, you have those those grounding moments where you're like, you know, this doesn't actually matter. Yeah, that was a rough one. I was... Uh, I was no sick. one wants to see that. No. Especially when you see the comments, fans leave, fans, with quotes, I say that, um, leave. You know, you can't get caught up in all that, but I'm an emotional person, so I do. <laughs> it doesn't bother Corey, but I get very, like, mama bear when stuff like that happens, and... People have the nerve to criticize him and make fun of him when he gets, you know, laid out like that in public. It's hard. It's definitely a stressful situation, and not a lot of people want to see that, and you have to really 
thank your loved ones for putting up with that lifestyle because no one wants to see someone they love get laid out no. like that. You know. And I mean, the one thing with that though, it's so crazy about how it goes. He probably gets the same amount of hate when he wins as when he loses. It it's just everyone's gonna hate. That's just the nature of this internet age right now. Unfortunately, people have a platform, and they think people care what they think. Yeah. No one actually does. But every once in a while, (laughs) I'll get in an argument with someone making stupid comments on his page. Or they'll comment on my page. They'll seek me out and make random comments. Oh, your husband got knocked out. He's learned how to box. You know, and here's this guy is probably like, I don't know overweight sitting at his computer can't throw a punch i could probably handle him and he wants to criticize you know it's the nature of it people that do people that have been nowhere and done nothing love to throw stones at people that are living a life they wish they could lead that's why it's best just to live your life and let all that stuff go you can't those are the people that no matter what you do they're never going to be happy and that's why you lose it's the same shit as if you win. Because with Corey, too, it sucks. He's a wrestler, and the wrestler's in MMA. No matter what he does, he can knock out everybody for the next 15 fights. They're going to be like, you suck, you're boring, you're a wrestler. Yeah. Okay, whatever. You. Except his striking is actually amazing. <laughs> his striking is really <laughs> good. I'm a snub. Yeah. I think it's amazing. And I think he's – everyone's sleeping on him, and I'm not saying this as his wife. I'm saying this as, you know – someone who has been around and seen him work with other people and seen other high-level athletes perform and train. Corey is going to be a force in the division. And, you know, unfortunately he had a couple of setbacks, but I think it's a blessing. Because yeah, I don't think there were setbacks. As they Okay, ranking-wise, financially maybe, but if anything, there were more wake-up calls no, to a couple things going on. And, and that's what he did. He did. He adjusted and he... Like I said, when I made a post after his last fight, you know, it takes a lot for someone to come back from two devastating knockouts in a row. Like, it can definitely hamper your confidence no matter who you are. And Corey came back more confident and kind of found himself as a fighter, I think. And Well, he found that Gurr a little more. He he didn't have the Gurr to the same level. The knockouts made him angry enough to push to a level that he had to go like he needed to be pissed off because he was kind of happy in where he was and he was working and wanted to get better wanting to get better and needing to get better are totally different scenarios Corey's a gritty fighter and when he came onto the scene he was super raw and this is a natural progression i think happens to a lot of people but the more you learn the more you know the more you realize like i have to hold back or i have I don't want to get hit. I, yeah. You know, like, you, you know the rules. Before, you didn't know you could get knocked out. You just thought, you know, you were almost arrogant in that sense. And a lot of fighters get that, like, it, you hold back a little bit because you're more developed technically. And he had to realize, okay, now I have this technique developed. Now I can go back to, like, being gritty again and use it in a, a controlled aggression, which is his style. And... I think he's going to find a lot of success success in it because not a lot of guys at his weight have as many tools as he has and has the wrestling ability that he has as well. That's the one, the conversation I just keep having over and over and over with guys right now. It's just people ask me all the time opinions about different athletes, and my I think the the thing that separates in the top ten right now, it's the guy that has more than one gear. Because you have a lot of guys that they have one gear that's a motherfucker of a gear. Like mm-hmm. they, they 
they win against most people with it. But then when someone figures it out, now it doesn't work anymore because the solution's out there. And if you don't have ways to change, I mean, I Dominic Cruz is an amazing fighter, but Dominic Cruz got exposed as having one gear. His mm-hmm. funky style is all he had. Like, he doesn't have orthodox anything. Mm-hmm. Like He doesn't have the ability to settle down and start throwing straight punches. He doesn't mm-hmm. know. So when he fought a guy who was funky style, didn't work, and then started piecing him you know, started taking them apart with some orthodox skills and it didn't work. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now you got the blueprint. You knuckle up, you stay in tight, you hit him with straight shit. He doesn't know how to deal with it. It is yeah. what it is. And then the guy who does that to him, Cody does that to him. And then Cody gets exposed against TJ because TJ had the ability to change gears. Came out funky style. Cody's doing all right. Comes back. Dwayne says, hey, I need you to settle down. I need you to do this and this. Mm-hmm. Changes gears, gets a knockout. It, the guy that has the ability in the middle of the fight to be able to switch well, those gears, that's everything. That's fight IQ, and that's, that's a skill that needs to be developed as well. And that's experience. That's what Corey needed to develop. Yeah. Like he, he gets greedy in fights. The two two times that he got knocked out, he was winning and didn't feel like he was doing enough, so he kept pushing, pushing, pushing instead of being safe. And I hate to say it, but sometimes you need to play it safe to win. And you want to take away any opportunity they have to beat you. And sometimes standing in front of someone and banging it out is the only chance they have to beat you, you know? So and, and, and with Corey sometimes, my only issue I, I, I saw with him before, and he's really so, so different now, is before I felt like he was a working fighter instead of being a killer out there. He, you got to have that desire to put the guy away, not to just work him. You got to put him away. Mm-hmm. And now you see he wants to put people and away. He's been criticized of that before. Um, it's hard to find a balance between that, you know, being smart and being aggressive. And I think he's found a good medium. He's, like I said, he's kind of brought that grit back and changed up his style a little bit and, you know, has gotten nasty because he's pissed. He doesn't yeah. want to. It sucks losing. And he is better than that. And. You know, like I said, people are going to be surprised. I feel like everyone's sleeping on him, and I think the fighters know what's up. I think a lot of his like peers know what he is. But what sucks with him, he just never gets tired. Just goes. No. That's, what, that's the hardest part. Most, I think most – two things fighters worry about. One, highlight real knockout. They don't want to be Rashad knocking Sean Salmon out. They don't yeah. want to be that. That's the opening of every UFC forever because that was such an amazing high kick yeah. knockout. You don't want to be that guy, and everyone's afraid of getting tired in a fight. You just can't help it. It's like mm-hmm. the greatest fear of every fighter. What are you afraid of? I don't want to get knocked out, and I don't want to get tired. Mm-hmm. Like Because being tired and having to fight is the worst feeling in the fucking world. Yeah. And you're just taking damage going, I can't breathe. This sucks. Whatever. But Corey just never comes across as a guy that's ever tired. And so no. the guys that are doubting their conditioning are looking at him going, holy shit. But then you get that weird idea of, oh, I can put him away. But now that he's made some changes and putting him away is going to be a hell of a lot harder. No, then it know, just gets more and more difficult. Yeah. He are, had a big problem before. He did have a hole before. That was pretty obvious. Now critical, he doesn't have it. you know, of him and getting knocked out. But anyone who gets a shin to the face by a 230-pound man is going to get knocked out. Like, I don't... The 205, he made a 205. subtle mistake that's a kickboxing mistake because he, uh, unfortunately, has to learn these lessons with top five guys. Yep. Like, Corey that's what I was did saying. not know a lot about kickboxing. Not, and then he worked on it. You know, like, each fight 
forced him to like fill a hole in his game. But that's what I in the beginning of, of this I said, you know, the hardest thing for me to see with him is he's a guy learning on the job. It's insane to be at that level that you're learning you're learning in the There's fight. There's not a lot of room for error. This isn't like just he's learning in sparring. He's learning in the goddamn fight. You see it with him every time he's out there. He's like, oh, he's never seen that before, and he's learning how to deal with it right I now. Know. And that's what's so hard about that's it. That's what I thought. I'm like, you need to go like do Dutch rolls and work yeah. on that because you don't have that that kickboxing knowledge. You kick the pads, and you have great boxing, amazing wrestling, but you you know, there's just certain fundamentals you learn in kickboxing, yep. especially southpaw matchups like that. That it's a dangerous thing. I mean. The likelihood of a power shot landing is high. And a lot of guys fall into the habit of just because they're hitting tie pads, they start to think they're doing kickboxing. And I'm like, you know what? Just because you're hitting pads doesn't mean you're training. Pads is a workout to me. You know, pads is getting in shape. Anyone can look good on pads. I look like a boss on pads sometimes. (laughs) You know, but like drilling live is so important. I think it's the most important aspect. I have two style of pad holding, though. Mm. I have... Cardio pad holding, mm-hmm. which is different, and then I have fight pad holding. There's there are days that we do rounds on the pads that we're trying to develop fight IQ, and then there are days we're just trying to develop, you know, Oops. endurance and yeah. cardio and whatever. The technique's still the same, yeah. but the way I'm working them's different. Like it's cool. it's a longer duration, whatever, and that's why you you got to have that balance, and you have to have a coach that understands that. I remember well, f- like learning how to. Fight is reading cues, you know, yeah. like reading patterns, breaking, setting patterns, breaking patterns. You need that from a pad holder. You know, a good pad holder and fighter that know each other well don't need to say anything when they hold pads. You know, yeah. But the one ripping the, pads every day. There's a there's a need for it to a point, but a, a lot of times it just wears out your body that you don't need to be doing it all the, the time. No, you can't, and that's where the ties get get me a little bit because the ties go like you got to f- throw five billion kicks a day and run 10 miles every morning and you know I it just goes too far I interviewed um, John Wayne Parr in my podcast and he said this you know he lived there he lived yeah. that lifestyle and he said it. same thing I've, I'm thinking like I can't live like that like, but they also retire at 24 with 102 fights exactly like people all want to be old school tie they kind of idealize this lifestyle but their lifestyle is out of necessity they fight because they need to make money for their family like they fight every other weekend and most people are (laughs) emulating a pop culture representation of that it's a false reality that they're representing why would I that is not a necessity we've evolved past that and we're lucky enough not to live in a society that that's what we have to do we need to save our bodies. You're not fighting every weekend. Look, just put it this way. Look at Fairtex. Look at all the guys from the 80s and 90s fighting with the last name Fairtex. There wasn't a Papa Fairtex who had a lot of kids. There were a lot of families that were mm-hmm. farmers that sold their children to the gym. Mm-hmm. So there, he had hundreds of children that were sold. I remember the thing that blew my mind with Thailand was that, I think it was probably 10 years ago, they were trying to up the age of professional fighting in Thailand from 12 to 15 and like 200,000 people marched on the capital. How could you do that? I'm like, okay, 12-year-old kids are fighting professional Muay Thai. 
because they're it was babies. the only way they can make they're money for their family. Like, and that's why they're retiring at 24 with 100 professional fights because they started fighting pro at 12 with elbows. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. That's, I respect their culture and the art and, you know, for what it is, but it's not something that I have to do to, like, be successful. And for what, like, the MMA position that we're in, it's a whole different culture. And we're in a first-world sport with first-world opportunities. Just go to the UFC yes. Performance Institute. It's the nicest training yeah, thing you're ever going to go. The is short here. You have a small window. You have to play it right. And we're doing a lot of other things. Yeah. Like, I've trained at a boxing gym, just straight boxing with, you know, only boxers for probably six months. And they were like, you work so hard. You do such a good... I'm like, this is one workout. Like, yeah. we do... Three other workouts, yep. two other workouts. We have to. We don't have the luxury of focusing on one art. You're better at your hands, obviously, and it's bo- boxing's hard in a different way. But MMA is grueling. Well, the funny part about we say it's grueling. It's okay. So MMA gets shit on by people that don't understand it as being this. You know, they think it's this dirty, damaging sport, but because. It's grind. It's a demanding physical sport. But because there are so many technical options in the fight, it's actually less yes. damaging than kickboxing or boxing. I think kickboxing is harder. Corey and I argue with this. but Ask Carl. Carl. I've done both. Okay, Carl. <laughs> Carl fought in glory. Carl fought Carl, in the UFC. And Carl has done both, and he knows at and, a high and level. Carl says that glory fights are the hardest thing he's ever done in his life. Hell yeah. I mean, All you there's limited clinching like MMA pace is just slower and you have other the more tools you add the slower the pace is yep. and you can clinch you can wrestle if you don't like standing I could box all day but at that pace no I've done glory rolls that's two minutes that was fucking long two minutes yeah it's just different three minutes in MMA is like I can do it in my sleep but it's just different. That's all. It's they throw just hard. different. When you don't have to worry about people taking you down, you throw everything 100%. And there's a psychological thing with the gloves, too. Mm-hmm. The little gloves make you way more conservative. When you're in a fight, they don't hurt any more or less. I actually think boxing gloves to the body hurt worse than MMA gloves to the body, but that's just me. Because that large surface area rattles your insides a little bit different. Well, MMA gloves have never made my legs feel like jelly <laughs> yes liver shots with a boxing glove i think are way worse than mma gloves it i mean it definitely sucks more getting hit in the face but i don't know it's a different kind of pain i've been it, hit just, very hard with 16 ounce gloves before and been rocked but uh, mma is more like pinpoint it's easy to get dropped i would say and cut but i feel like with mma gloves it's a crack and with a boxing glove it's more of a thud it's it's like one one is like someone hits you with a rock and it's a sharp biting pain and the other one is like a thud that makes your world kind of go numb for a minute like a bag of rocks yeah yeah (laughs) carl's the only guy literally the only guy that i ever sparred with that i pretty much felt his knuckles through the gloves every time he hit me on the big gloves he's a beast he made he reminded me that when I tried to do this fight at 40, he re- I try, I did. He reminded me that, yeah, my career is over. <laughs> it was the worst. It's hard. Because oh, it was so fucking men awful. Men cannot compete with each other when they're older. It, women, we kind of all peak when we're young. So we're kind of on the same playing field as we get. If anything, I think we're more focused and able to do, what's the word? To push ourselves more when we're older. Yeah. 
men you can see it in timing men just slow down when they're older they don't have the same timing the same speed or the same muscle tone you know like you can see it i did my retirement fight at 70 i hadn't fought below 180 since i was 18 like i mean i fought most of my fights at 185 Mm -hmm. and up Mm -hmm. and i was able to fight at 170 because i just don't have the mass that i did and i couldn't put it on because i i literally i trained for five weeks i went from i went from a fat like 210 mm-hmm. down to 170 in like five weeks and i'm still sloppy i'm disgusted by myself in the photos but the experience was like it, it was what i needed to do it was ugly but it was what i needed to do but i mean i was just like my cardio shot i have no cardio like i couldn't I just couldn't maintain, but I didn't do enough time. I should have been training for like six yeah. months before I went into a camp too. But that was is what it is. But mentally, totally there. Technically, totally there. But my body couldn't do what I wanted it to do, and it mm-hmm. is what it is. It's called aging. It's what we do. It sucks. Yeah, unless you're Romero and you're like, well, you know, a leftover from a Soviet experiment in that's Cuba. Not. He's just not human. I don't like being mean, but he's not your average. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't think his chemical makeup is no. the same as a, He's scary. a natural human. <laughs> Men don't maintain that muscle mass. I don't know. No, you can't. It's no. actually physiologically impossible. I don't care My what anyone says. My dad was a huge powerlifter, football player. Only 5'7". He weighed like 215 when he was built. <laughs> you know, now that he's 50, he weighs like... 180 yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he still works out every day like yeah, he still you know, lifts weights the thing he just can't maintain that muscle mass the the one i i read a really good study about how we change as we get older and it's really funny how in in our culture everyone walks and runs and does that as they age but the funny part is is that we actually lose our cardio around 34 it starts to fall off but our strength can increase up mm-hmm. until we're about 63 64 and if you think about it, it makes a tremendous amount of sense. The biggest issue that we have as we age is our joint stability mm-hmm. and our ability to it's hold ourselves. Mm-hmm. No, but our ability to hold ourselves up from a functional standpoint. Mm-hmm. You don't want to fall. And if you do, you want to be able to get back up. You can walk on the treadmill all you want. It's not going to give you the strength you need to maintain your balance and your dexterity and to be able to get up and down off the floor consistently mm-hmm. and deal with the challenges of, of, of life and the world as effectively as weightlifting will. And it was interesting. And that's why I get a lot of people come in and I'm like, combining kickboxing with a functional lifting routine mm-hmm. is way better for you as you age than taking an aerobics class or running on a treadmill. You're just going against how oh, our bodies I are degrading. I think kickboxing is extremely low impact. It's tough on your when done shoulders. Right. Only when done yes, right. exactly. If you're going to CKO and throwing Hail Marys the whole time and breaking your wrists and hitting wrong, like it's just bad. If you throw technically correct, way more beneficial than doing a cardio kickboxing class with no oh, instruction. And that's why I teach technical kickboxing to women. It's whether well, You don't have to want to fight to learn the technique, but I'm not going to let them hold tie pads or hit the bag. Those are skills that you need to learn. Yes. It's so easy. Like the heavy bag is heavy obviously it's very easy to hurt your wrist hurt your shoulder you know you're you wear it on your shoulders regardless yeah if you do things wrong it's gonna go twice as fast you know so and i'm i have a bad shoulder because of (laughs) (laughs) i actually took a straight kick to the elbow when i was 18 and it crushed my ac joint and my clavicle Mm -hmm. snaps and now i have i have no ac joint i have this big knot in my shoulder and if i 
I know like there's certain things I can do and not do and oh it just sucks I have neck problems from it it's the worst god damn getting old sucks oh <laughs> tell me about it it's actually you know what but I can say that if you asked me when I was 20 how I'd feel when I was 40 it's a would have been a hell of a lot worse than it actually is oh, that's good. 44 is not bad it's really <laughs> you still want to do everything you can't do everything you want to do but compared to what I thought it was going to be to what it is I mean I I I, I feel like I'm 18 I can't do what I used to be able to do but I still feel that way which is great but again I think this business does it to you too because I'm around so many young people that are just positive going for stuff and just you get caught up in all that that you know going for it and just keeps the fire going oh, I, I encourage people to do martial any kind of martial art 100% because of the community it gives you it's a healthy activity or hobby that you can do so many people are like, you look so young. I'm like, I don't know how old I'm supposed to look, first of all, at 33. <laughs> I, don't but, know how, I don't know how any of us are supposed to look I, or feel or whatever. I think it, it is what it is for us. But you sweat every day. You're doing something you love. I'm yep. around young people. Like, it just makes you feel young. Being know. satisfied matters, and it really does change your outlook. I don't believe in chasing happiness. I believe in chasing satisfaction. You have mm-hmm. to do things that you're going to be satisfied with, you can live with, you're comfortable with. In, in a deep, fulfilling way. Happy is such a surface feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you, you know, I, I can have a glass of red wine, eat a donut, and be happy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I do something hard and achieve it. It may not, I may not be happy while doing it, but I'm satisfied when I'm done. And it, and it you know, gives me the, the, the strength I need to do everything else. And that, those, are the, those are the experiences, I think, especially as we age, we have to hold on to. Don't go chasing comfort and mm-hmm. happiness, per se. Find those satisfying things. Be happy and satisfied, not just surface bullshit. Because mm-hmm. then you just get fat and old and become diabetic. Thank <laughs> you. So, so I want you to plug your program because we've been talking for a while and yeah. I'm sure everyone has things to do. So you started a, a program. I have a podcast called First Fight. I started a couple of years ago just as YouTube videos, actually. And now I want to change the platform a little bit. And I'm interviewing different fighters about their first fight experience. So it's a storytelling podcast. I love keeping it casual, just like you were talking with your friends. And I want to hear... I mean, basically, my goal is to show people that these are all emotions everyone feels. Like, it's cool hearing a world champion talk about how scared he was the first time he fought. You know, I think it's really good for people to hear that when doing anything that... You're not going to be perfect the first time. Even the big macho fighter that you worship was a little scared, scared out of boy his mind. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it is. I just I love telling stories. I like um, showing you the people behind the fighters. I think it, it helps people understand what we do a little bit more. Too. I just hadn't told everybody after class the other day because somebody was saying something along the lines of oh you can't do this to this guy whatever and I was like you know what there's no such thing as Superman Mm-mm. no matter what you think Francis Ngannou to Frankie Edgar or whatever no one's made of steel nobody's unstoppable if you hit any human being in the liver they're going down we you hit them in the solar plexus they're going down you touch their chin on the right angle they're going down it is the nature of the beast so it, there's there's no Superman Nope, everyone can be exposed. Yeah. The, the industry likes to build up people, but it, we've seen it with Ronda Rousey. We've seen it with 
Francis Ngannou. You know, like hey. people that people were very afraid of are all beatable. So. Frankie Edgar got knocked out. I know. And I can... told Mark then, I said, you know what, man? Step into that octagon enough times, it's going to happen. Just move forward. It's the and nature he did. of the business. And he's a champion, you know, and he had an opportunity to show people that champions can come back from yep. setbacks, you know? So, unfortunately, that's the nature of the business. Yep. So you have your podcast, and you talk about all this valuable information, and then you also you started a women's kickboxing program. Yes, I teach kickboxing to women. It's mostly beginners. I'm open to teaching all levels, but I really like encouraging women in martial arts. Unfortunately... Not a lot of women participate compared to men, and I think it's a sad thing, or a, I think it's an important thing that women should not be missing out on. So my goal is to kind of fill that gap and get women feeling comfortable trying it so that they are comfortable maybe going to another gym or, you know. I think the culture that men subscribe to is different than the culture that women would subscribe to. And that's why I think yes. it's nice to have someone like yourself that's more of an ambassador for the sport that can give people an introduction to dispel the weird ideas they have about it and let them know that it, it may be different than what you're expecting and the opportunities are different than what you're anticipating. The only thing holding them back is what they think they can't do. And all in their head. My goal is to kind of be the training wheels to it. Like, encourage them and help them feel comfortable doing it because they're not always comfortable in a big gym situation it's a very macho masculine environment typically and And even if it's not you it's ingrained in your head that it will be and you can even make it that in your head when you walk in the door yeah i'm intimidated by it i was when i first started but i'm different in the sense that i'll still do it even you know but a lot of people aren't like that and my goal is to show them that it's not that scary, and I find that most women, housewives, whoever, they all really wanted to do it. And they're intimidated as fuck, though, by yeah, they have this urge to do it. Experience. I didn't realize that many women really wanted to like punch things, but they do, and they just needed someone to kind of like, you know, reach out and give them the type of environment that's a little more, I don't know, easy for them to yeah get into. So. I love it. I love... So you're the gateway drug. Yes. I've had a lot of girls... Like, when I moved to New Jersey, they had to find a new gym. And they went on to other MMA gyms and are doing well and took up jujitsu and you know, competing. That To me, that's what it, I'm doing it for. I want them to feel comfortable doing their own thing. Like, if they want to stay with me and keep learning, I'm totally happy with that. You know, if that's the type of environment they want, but... I train with men. I don't think women and men should train separately. But I do think there should be an environment for women who aren't comfortable to train too. Yes. You know, like Which sometimes you have to build you have to build up your understanding and you have to build up your confidence to be able to do it. Exactly. I mean, I mean there's uh, beginner classes for everyone for a reason. Yeah. You know, not every guy that walks in the gym is ready to step on the mat with all the other guys. Like they need some guys progress a little slower every human has to overcome themselves to be able to do anything and i think it's admirable that you're doing something for a community of women that you understand as a woman that's gone through it and you're giving them that opportunity and that's what i like and i think as as a lifelong instructor i mean that's my my goal is to constantly figure out how do i 
how do I present this in a way that's going to make it more, give just more people opportunity and to dispel a lot of the bullshit that people believe about what we do and make yeah. them realize that it's just a human experience. It's you want to be inclusive. And yeah. I, I, want, I don't want women to miss out on the benefits of martial arts. And it's changed my life. Everyone I know that does it feels the same way about it. So I, if I can get them to kind of pick up the slack a little bit and get more women involved i'm all about it because we can train i mean i train with guys all the time and i'm fine with it and it's just women don't have to be relegated to cardio kickboxing no no they don't i like i say you don't have to fight i always tell them like i figure out what their goals are and i tell them you don't have to fight to know how to fight yep. and to know why you're doing what you're doing to me that's the fun part of it all it makes it not boring and not like a workout so it's funny someone said the other day and it really resonated with me and they were like you know if if doing violent things makes you a violent person then what the hell is martial arts martial mm -hmm. arts that you're you're training in something that can be categorized as violent not because you're a violent person but you're doing combative arts to make yourself better but also just in case it's oh, yeah. not like you're not training to fight because you want to fight more. You're fighting because it's a great challenge, but also just in case, you're, so you're prepared. It's it's not this violent activity. It's a preparation for something that may never come. It's a great tool to have just in case it may. And the journey of going through it is constantly giving you challenges mm -hmm. that just give you the ability to be better. Well, just building your confidence alone makes you less of a target from getting... It's number you know, one rule of self-defense is that it's when you it's it's just it's predator and prey. Just let people know that you're a predator. You're not prey. I know. <laughs> I, I teach young girls actually, and they wanted me to teach them a little self-defense. And I'm not really comfortable teaching self-defense because that's not something you can teach in an hour or whatever. No. But I do believe that even learning kickboxing, like I I would do jujitsu for self-defense, but even for kickboxing, learning a martial art making yourself more confident makes you less of a target and you carry yourself differently and i tell them i tell the girls that like walk confidently and people won't bother you yeah. as much you know and you'll feel more confident just by your training and in time the training will develop real confidence not just a post confidence and that's what the best part of it is exactly so we've been talking for a while and uh we've got people to know your podcast to know your class mm -hmm. where can they find you if someone wants to follow you well, um, my podcast is called First Fight. It's on iTunes. And my kickboxing class, we're on Facebook. It's called Spitfire Kickboxing. So and uh, my podcast actually has a website as well. It's thefirstfightpodcast.com. Nice. All right. Do you have anything you want to do a shout-out to? Anything here <laughs> you want to throw out there? Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. You don't have to thank us. We're happy to have you. But do you have any anything you want to push? Do you have any sponsors? Uh, anybody you want to thank? Anything? No. You know, I'm not a professional athlete, so I'm not a sponsor. There you go. <laughs> Thanks to my husband. How there, about that? There you go. Love that you. <laughs> well, this is Brian Wright. This is the Hivecast. You can find us on uh, Google Podcasting, iTunes, TuneIn, uh, you can find it also on thehivecast.com. You can find me, Brian Wright, at brianwright732.com. Also, brianwright732 on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the gym, Killer Bee Combat Sports Academy, at Killer Bee CSA on Instagram and Twitter. Also, killerbeecsa.com. So much there to 
growing out. Lots of content. Um, we're on YouTube, Instagram, you name it, we're there. Easy to find. Got to throw the shout out to uh, Sucker Punch as usual. They've been helping shape the careers of most of the athletes here, and they've been a huge supporter of the show and the gym. And then Pure Spectrum, if you need CBD, that is the source that we tend to go with. My father actually started using it. He's got a bad neck, they told him. Um, he's going to need to get a rod in his neck. And uh, the Pure Spectrum products actually have made him feel better to a point. He may not need that surgery, which was quite interesting. So I'm believing more and more in CBD the more I find out about it. I've got to also thank the guys at Thrive uh, Rehab and Recovery in Spring Lake. They have been keeping most of us uh, walking straight and feeling better. I had a big problem in my neck. They did some acupuncture on me. I couldn't believe the difference. So I highly recommend them. Um, so many other people to throw out, but you know, go to thehivecast.com and you can see our list of sponsors. I'm done talking. I think we've gone enough. So I'm a talker. So. I, I'm done. <laughs> I'm over it. I also have a newborn, so I'm not sleeping very much, so my brain's starting to hurt. All right. This is Brian Wright. This is the Hive Podcast. We are out.